continue our wee mini-series on what is church. And this morning we're going to be looking at Acts chapter 2. And we're going to look at verses 42 down to verse 47. And the words will appear on the screens before you. Or if you've got your own Bible, you're welcome to follow along there as well. That's Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. And we're going to be thinking about worshipping in unity. Let's listen to God's word together. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, Attending the temple together, the breaking of bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Amen. Amen. We thought um, last week about the Lord's house being a house of prayer. This, this morning we're going to think about what it means to worship in unity and actually how the church, as we thought last week, was, it isn't meant to be a place where kind of uh, exploitation happens as we saw in the temple courts, but actually it's a place where the Lord desires it to be prayer for all peoples, for all nations, that actually it's meant to be a spiritual place. There's meant to be a place of prayer, but also worship. And as we think about prayer and worship, I want us this morning to think about actually how it's not just about us gathering by ourselves as individuals and singing some songs ourselves and praying some prayers by ourselves, but actually at the heart of worship and prayer, the Lord wants us to be a a united people, to be a united people. Last Sunday, I, I mentioned a wee quote that kind of sparked my desire to look at what the church is when uh, Helen Kerr quoted, um, I think it was Paul Mallard, about um, don't miscall the church. Uh, and it made me think about how often we do see the church being miscalled, that we, we place things on the church that actually we think that's the main priority, or this is the main priority, or surely that's the main priority. And actually, we end up moving from where God wants us to be, to be a place of prayer and worship, united together. And next week, we'll think about how we're meant to be doing mission and witnessing as well. In these verses that we've, we've just read, verse 42 would maybe stand better um, with the end of verse 41 as a kind of conclusion to what has just happened at Pentecost. We have to remember that this is just directly after Pentecost. Uh, and the they mentioned in verse 42 is probably the 3,000 that came to faith just after the Holy Spirit was poured out for the first time, just after Peter has preached this sermon uh, from Joel chapter 2 and a few other places in the Old Testament. And then we see that the Lord has added... Not, people to their number. And we read that that in verse 41 was about 3,000 souls. So the they mentioned in verse 42 is probably speaking about the 3,000 people that have just come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's describing actually what they put their focus on, where they put their uh, energy into. We read of four things that they devote themselves to. It's not just the apostles' teaching they devote themselves to. The apostles' teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and the prayers. So there's four things that they 
put their focus on, onto and they devote themselves to. Now, although I'm talking about saying it's probably closely linked to the 3,000 that has just been mentioned, the reason they would have been doing this and devoting themselves, because this was the practice that they were seeing within the church. So this is what we have here described is, is a practice for, for the, the, that the church was endeavoring on, the things that they were putting their time and their energy into. And we see that being further explained in verses 43 to 47 as Luke explains the, these things in more detail. I think that's just my Malachi, so don't worry. Any parents that are sitting here wondering if that's their child, don't worry, that's just Malachi. And his mom's down there, so it's okay. So there's four things. The teaching of the apostles. The apostles themselves had been instructed by Jesus. They had been instructed by Jesus themselves, and they have passed these instructions on. They passed them on to the new Christians, to the church that has been formed on the day of Pentecost. They, they pass on his teaching about his resurrection, about the Old Testament, the importance of Christian witness, and their own memories of Jesus' earthly ministry. And in the church, I love how Luke starts here with the first thing that he says to devote themselves to is the teaching of the apostles. In the church, this has to be our starting point. The Lord's word, the gospel has to be the thing that we stand on first and foremost and ground ourselves in. Because if they started with the other things, they could go skiwoof, they could get distracted, they could go in the wrong direction. But they're grounded in the teaching of the apostles, which then allows them to stand firm in the faith, in the fellowship, in the prayers, and in the breaking of bread. It has to be what guides us, the Lord's word. It has to be what shapes us. The word of God is our foundation that we stand upon. It is what we live off every single day. Not bread, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So the teaching of the apostles uh, they devote themselves to, but also to the fellowship. The Greek word used here is a word that, that has in its basic meaning communion or a close relationship. And I think sometimes what we think of, we, when we see a word like the fellowship used in scripture, we take what we're experiencing today and then we put the meaning into the word like fellowship. In some ways, we aren't really united this morning. You're all sitting very separate. You've all got masks on. I don't even know if you're smiling at me or not. I can tell by your eyes, don't worry. In some ways, it feels very bizarre to think about the fellowship when this is what we're living through just now, this experience that we're going through. But when the word fellowship is used here, the word that is used is like the closest relationship possible. And this is one of the aspects I want us as a church to grow on, grow in over the next year. That actually, as we grow in our love for Jesus, as we grow in our love for Jesus, that by default, we grow in our love for one another. That we grow in our love for one another. That we see a community being cultivated here, greater than anything we've ever seen in the past. That actually as a fellowship, we're so closely linked, we're so close as our relationship. That we share in life together. And that's what we see Luke goes on and he explains. He shows us the practical outworkings of this. This isn't the same as just meeting in the same place. But Luke will show us how radical biblical fellowship is. 
And if we are to be committed to Jesus, we have to be committed to his bride. If we say we love Jesus, we have to love one another. The two cannot be separate because Jesus loved us so much that he gave himself for us. They've also devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. There's a wee bit of debate here about what the breaking of bread is. Again, we often put what we experience and put that straight into the passage. And automatically we're probably thinking about communion or the Lord's Supper. There's a wee bit of debate about whether that's what is being spoken about here or not. It might be referencing that the believers just ate together. We see kind of evidence for that later on. I think it's in verse 46 when they're talking about just breaking bread in their own homes. But whether it's the Lord's Supper they're celebrating or whether it's just that they're eating together. The point is this that actually they were so closely did life together that every day they did these things. They met together in each other's homes. That's why I'm such a big advocate for, for um, house groups and, and Bible studies in people's homes because it, it changes the dynamic of what we're doing. You begin to see actually that, that, that the, 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 the things that people enjoy, you get to see what kind of cushions they have on a couch. You can tell a lot about somebody's cushions on their couch. We've just got three yellow cushions and a duck cushion now in our house because Malachi wanted a duck cushion. So you can tell something about our family when you see that. It breaks down the walls of we just meet in this place. We do life together. We, we, we want to be together as church. Strive to do fellowship with one another. Break bread together. And then we read about the prayers as well. Now, the fact that in the text that we see the, the article, the, before prayers, makes us think that this isn't just about the gathered for, you know, a little prayer meeting in their own homes, but probably points towards the, 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 the structured prayers that happened within Judaism at the time, that they, they actually gathered together in the temple for this. And we'll think about that later on uh, in our sermon. So that's what the new believers devoted themselves to. The teaching of the apostles, fellowship, breaking bread, and prayers. And then we read in verse 43 these incredible words. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. In verse 43, we kind of have this, this fuller explanation of, of what was taking place within the wider um, Christian community, the Christian fellowship. This is not just what the new converts did, but actually uh, the lived experience of the church was thus, that that all was coming upon every soul. That actually they were seeing many signs and wonders being done through the apostles. I love that we read in verse 43 that all came upon every soul. And the every soul is not just talking about the church here. This is not just talking about those that were saved. But actually all started to come over the souls, even in those that hadn't been anywhere near the Christian fellowship, because of the experience of what they were seeing take place in the life of the early church. The way that the believers were conducting themselves, the way that they were carrying themselves, the things that they were saying, the things that they were doing, the way they loved one another, the way they gathered together. Then actually this caused all... Or, or like a godly fear would be another way to translate that. A godly fear began to fall upon every soul. Not just in the church, but every soul. Even those who were not saved, even those who were not part of the worshipping community, were being impacted by what God was doing in and through his church. 
We have to stop hiding our light under a bushel. We have to stop being greedy with the gospel. Actually, this is meant to impact out there just as much as it impacts in here. As the Lord works his purposes in and through us as a fellowship, as a church, surely our prayer is, Lord, let all fall on the souls of those in Sandy Hills, in Bailiston, in Garahill, in Shettleston, in Glasgow, in Scotland. A worshipping community when it seeks to praise God, when it lives under his teaching and when they dwell in unity together. We'll see its community take note of what is going on in that place because it is so countercultural what God wants to do in and through us. And we'll see that again when they start to sell everything they have to help those who are in need. We have to remember that we are part of a spiritual realm. Our battle is not against flesh and blood, scripture tells us, but against every principality and power. We have to remember that we're part of a spiritual realm. We have to believe that as we gather to worship in here, that the strongholds of Satan out there begin to shake. Because the gospel is preached. Because God's people gather to pray. Because God's, um, God's people worship him and lift his name high. That as we gather upon his word and sit under his word, as we praise him, as we pray to him, we have to believe that what we're doing in here begins to impact what is taking place out there. The strongholds of Satan are beginning to fear because what God is doing within his people in Sandy Hills. That those who are living in oppression, that actually we have good news for them. Those who are living in addiction, actually, we have good news for them. Those who see there's no way out, actually, we have good news for them. But how will they hear if we don't go? How will they hear if we don't go? And one of the key things we see in the book of Acts and in the early church is the beautiful twinning of gospel proclamation which is accompanied by gospel demonstration. Gospel proclamation and gospel demonstration. They devoted themselves to the teaching of the apostles and then we read that signs and wonders were taking place. Proclamation and demonstration of the gospel. As the church, we are called to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, but also live it out and show the power of the gospel through the empowering of God's Holy Spirit in and through us. Now, there are some folk, and, and I know many, many where I come from, and they are dear brothers and sisters in Christ, and I, I love them dearly. Now, we would um, actually begin to disagree on something that I'm about to say, but it's a completely secondary issue, and actually that's okay. Because the primary issue that we preach, Christ and him crucified. But what we see here is some, some folk would begin to say that when it talks about that the signs and wonders would be done through the apostles, that they would, they would teach that actually all of that kind of spiritual gifts of the spirit stuff, that stopped with the apostles, that stopped with the early church and the apostles. I, I, don't, I don't believe that though. Firstly, I don't see anywhere in Scripture where it says that. 
But actually, although it says here that the, the, the signs and wonders were being done through the apostles, it wasn't just limited to the apostles. We see later on in Acts chapter, I think it was chapter 6 or 7, where we, we see of these seven men who are chosen to accompany and to help the, the, the apostles. And two of them we read of are Stephen and Philip. Now granted there was an apostle called Philip, but I see it a bit confusing and a bit pointless that they chose Philip to help Philip the Apostle, if Philip the, that was chosen was already the Philip the Apostle, that doesn't make sense. We're talking about a different Philip here. Stephen and Philip. And what we read is that they both go off and they preach the gospel and they perform signs and wonders. We see Paul also writes to the church in Corinth, not to the apostles, but to the church in Corinth. Just the, the, the normal folk who were part of the worshipping community in Corinth. He writes to them and tells them to earnestly desire the gifts like prophecy. He tells him to earnestly uh, desire the gifts of prophecy and, and to speak in tongues. To use the gifts that God has given his church for the glory of God. These were not just gifts that were given for the ministry of the apostles. But this is just ordinary men and women being empowered by God's Holy Spirit to do God's mission, God's work, and God's ways for God's glory. It's why we pray for miracles to happen. It's why we pray for sick, the sick people to get better. Even when it naturally doesn't seem possible for us, we trust in a God who is all-powerful. We believe that the God of the Bible, the God of Acts, the God of the church in Acts, is the God of today because it's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But the signs and wonders are never meant to replace the importance or the centrality of the word of God. That's why we start in verse 42 by them saying that they devoted themselves to the teaching of the apostles. They had a demonstration of the gospel and a demonstration of God's power. We do not go after signs and wonders. Our pursuit is Jesus. It is him we seek, it is him we preach, and it's his name we pray in. But we pray, Lord, would you show people out there your power through signs and wonders. And it would accompany our telling of the gospel as we tell people who are in need about Jesus. Let us begin to preach the gospel, the word of God, which is our foundation, louder than ever before telling people about the amazing grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. But as we do so, let us pray even more boldly for God to move in power in ways we've never seen for signs and wonders to take place so that our community are filled with a sense of awe. Who is that God they worship in Sandy Hills Parish Church? He's the creator of the universe. He's the King of kings and Lord of lords. And he loves you. Let me tell you about him. And isn't it just beautiful to see the unity present in verse 44? And all who believed were together and had all things in common. This sense of unity that is present within Acts chapter 2 is beautiful. Friends, if you're in Christ this morning, what unites us far outweighs what may bring separation between us. If you love Jesus and preach him crucified... If you preach a gospel of grace that is ours through faith when we repent of our sins and stand upon God's word, why would we let stylistic preferences 
our secondary issues come between us and what God wants to do in this place. We see two images present of the unity that has been described in verse 44. They were uh, together. Um, they were together uh, uh, and had all things in common. Together depicts the image of them, of them gathering, but it's more than just a gathering of people. There's a real sense of unity because unity isn't about location or how closely you're sitting beside someone this morning. Thankfully, that is the case. Unity is the posture of your heart towards others. How is your heart postured this morning to your brothers and sisters in Christ? Our unity isn't found in what we like, but who we love, Jesus. They had all things in common. This, this all starts with devoting themselves to the teaching of the apostles. We should never ever downplay the importance of vision. Because without vision, we, t- we read in scripture, the people perish. But it didn't stop with belief. Their belief influenced their practices. We read in verse 45 that they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. How radical is that? How radical is that unity? It's radical, yeah, but it's biblical. So why are we so surprised by it? That was the extent of of how much they loved each other. That when they saw someone in need, if they had cars, I'll go and sell my car, I can walk. This person needs something. Imagine if the church was known for that today. Sadly, we're often known for what we disagree on rather than actually than what we stand for and what we believe in. And more importantly, who we believe in. We see generosity that is so incredibly beautiful that comes from this place of of love for one another in the church in Acts. And these uh, two verses are going to appear on your screen from the the, Romans chapter 12. Uh, This is is what they say. Often when we think about the gifts of the Spirit, we automatically think of Corinthians. Um, but, But Paul says this in Romans chapter 12. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. These are also gifts of the Spirit that are given through grace to each one of us. And as I was preparing, the two that the Lord laid in my heart was generosity and encouragement. Exhortation here is another uh, translation you can use, encouragement. That actually, we in Sandy Hills are known for being an encouraging people, but also just a biblically generous people. That we don't hoard and hold on to, to the things that we have, but actually as we see people in need, that we just give sacrificially. Because we should be living in mirror of the cross of Calvary for what Jesus has done for us, who poured everything out for us, who didn't see equality with God, something to be grasped, but humbled himself to the position of a servant. He came to serve and not be served. Let us mirror our saviour. Let us be encouragers. When we see someone who's down, 
And I know, I know what happens. And I know I'm kind of preaching to the choir here. When we see someone down, pick up the phone. How are you doing? You're on my heart. When we see someone in need, just giving to them as we see fit, as the Lord leads us. Let us be a generous people and a people who encourage and a people who want to see the gifts of the Spirit, both from Romans and Corinthians, flow through our congregation. The journey of unity begins in submission to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. When we realize and we remember that he is the king and the head of the church, we begin to take seriously his teaching. Do you believe in God or do you believe God? Because there's a difference. If you believe in him, you can sometimes just continue doing what you do. But if you believe him, in every area of your life, you submit to his authority and want to live how he intends for us to live. And that's what we see the church in Acts doing here. They're just living out the teaching from Luke chapter 12 that Jesus gave them. That if you see someone who's in need, sell your possessions, Jesus said. And they are just following the commands of Jesus Christ and his teaching. They don't sell everything. Don't worry, I'm not asking you to go home and put everything you own on eBay. That's not what they do. They do it as they see people in need. As they are led by God's spirit. It helps when the gift of generosity is present. And we see that in verse 46 with their generous hearts. Without generous hearts, this doesn't happen. Let us have generous hearts. See friends, unity is not the absence of dispute, but the awareness of the presence of Jesus. That's when we go through hardships, why we can still be united. That's when we disagree, we can still be united. Because we keep the main thing, the main thing, Jesus. That's why when we walk through the valley, that we can fear no evil. That's when we go through hardships, which will happen, we'll disagree on stuff. That's why we can still be united. Because it's not the absence of dispute that brings unity, but the awareness of the presence of Jesus. And just in closing, we read in verse 47, they praised God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day, those who were being saved. We read in Psalm 33 that when brothers dwell in unity, we see that the Lord commands his blessing to be there. And we see God's blessing upon his church in Acts chapter 2. But it's because they're united in the gospel that they see God's blessings being poured out upon them. And what's really important to note is we don't add to our number. The Lord adds to the number who were being saved. It doesn't neglect us of responsibility, though, to be striving for unity, to be working together as partners in the gospel, praying, praising him, telling people about Jesus. But ultimately, it's him who adds to the number. And we see this outward focus, and we're going to think more about this next week as we think about mission in the church. They continue to go to the, the, the temple, we read in um, in verse 46. And that's why I said about the prayers. is is more like a structured set time when they prayed. They went to the temples because they knew the crowds would be there. And actually their Christian influence begins to impact where people are. As a church, let us continue to be a people who worship together in unity. Knowing that we are loved by Almighty God. That there is no one 
in God's kingdom more loved than you are. But there's also no one who's loved any less than you either. The same price was paid for each one of us, the shedding of the blood of Jesus Christ. We cannot keep this to ourselves. We cannot keep it for ourselves. We need to bear witness to the one we worship. Is that not what we see happen? And the Lord added to their number daily. Is that not what we want to see happen in Sandy Hills? Do we not want the lost to be found? Do we not want the blind to see? The lost coming to Jesus. We spoke with the boys and girls causing a party to happen in heaven. As people are found by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he's Luke shows us what this being found is like. It's, it, it, those who are being saved. This is the process of becoming a Christian. We need to be saved, redeemed by Jesus. The problem is still the same. Sin. The solution is still the same. And his name is Jesus. Let us pray. Gracious Lord, we thank you for your gospel. And Lord, we pray that as a as a body here and as a witness and a, as ambassadors for the gospel in Jesus Christ in Sandy Hills and in the east end of Glasgow. Father, we pray that you would help us to be united in the gospel, to worship you in spirit and in truth, that we would be united in worshiping, that actually we would be so focused on Jesus that we turn our eyes upon you, Jesus, and look full in your wonderful face. Help us to love one another well, not just in word, but also in deed. Help us to be encouragers. Help us to be generous. Help us to praise you. Help us to lift your name high. Help us to tell people about Jesus. And Lord, we ask, would you add to our number? Not for our sake, but for yours. Not for our glory, but for yours. We want to see people transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because we believe it is good news. Jesus, we thank you that you loved us so much, that you didn't leave us where we were, but you left the 99 to come and, come and find us, that one lost sheep. And Lord, we pray that in this new season we enter into, that Sandy Hills Parish Church and what goes on here would give heaven a reason to celebrate. Because more people who are lost hear about Jesus. And more people put their hope and trust in Jesus for the first time. We ask these things in your name. Amen. Amen. We're going to sing our...